Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing. My name is Nathaniel Mayhew, and joining me today is Pastor Mark Tiefel as we continue our series on the Apostles of Jesus. Today, we're taking a look at a different type of apostle than we've covered over the last few months. We're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul. Very familiar name, very well known, maybe one of the best known of all of the apostles. And yet, there's something different about the Apostle Paul compared to the other apostles that we've considered. Mark, glad to have you with us again as we go through and continue our study of the apostles of Jesus. What is it that makes Paul different from all of the other apostles we've looked at so far? Well, there's a lot of things about Paul. Um, He was not one of the original 12 that was called by Jesus. He started off severely opposed to the church and to Christ as the savior. Uh, He was a Pharisee. He wrote the majority of the New Testament letters. Paul is unique in a lot of different ways when compared to the other other apostles. Another thing worth mentioning is that Paul was educated. A lot of the other apostles didn't have that, that blessing as far as we were able to tell. So Paul is definitely a different character, but you can see as his life unfolds in the Bible, and we certainly have a lot of information about Paul's life, you can see how God used those differences to enhance and bless the kingdom work that Paul was able to do. So you mentioned that Paul was not one of the original disciples. And I think that's one of the, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of differences between Paul and the others, but he wasn't part of the 12. There are parts of the Bible that talk about him as one of the 12, but he wasn't one of those that was an eyewitness of Jesus and spent those three years with him like the others that we have studied so far. He was well-educated. He was well-trained. And boy, we see how the Lord used Paul in so many different ways. He was Jewish, but he wasn't from the region right there in Galilee or Judea, like the other disciples were. Tell us a little bit about Paul's background, his, you know, where he came from, and, and a little bit maybe about his religious upbringing also as a Pharisee. Yeah, so Paul was Jewish uh, by heritage, by ancestry, but he was born in the town of Tarsus, which was up near Asia Minor, not in the region of Galilee or Judea. So he was born also as a Roman citizen. So that was another unique element about Paul's life that was not just unique when it came to being a follower of Christ, but kind of unique for a lot of people at that time in the world to be Jewish by birth, but also to be a Roman citizen and to have those rights was not all that common. As the Roman Empire grew and expanded, I suppose more people would have fit into that category. But Paul was not from Jerusalem. He was not from Judea. Um, He was from a different area. Now, certainly he did a lot of work down in that area in in Jerusalem and Judea as well. Uh, But God used that Roman 
citizenship of Paul later on in his life as Paul was under attack for his faith uh, to be a, be a better support for him and to give him the ability to appeal to the Roman government before being punished. So even then you can see God shaping where Paul would go and, and what he would do in that sense. Uh, but Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippians, his Jewish heritage, especially that of being a Pharisee from a religious standpoint. And he said he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, he was a, a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, you know, he, he practiced the law um, even more than the typical Pharisee would have. He was very zealous for the law and, and very zealous for God in that sense, in the Pharisaical sense. And Paul, again, used that later on in his ministry to, to show salvation cannot be by works, as the Pharisees had taught, because he had tried that to the, the, its fullest extent and realized that it, it didn't work. And so each of these areas that made Paul unique, that initially caused him in some ways to be opposed to Christ were later on used as great blessings for the church because Paul had lived through these things. He had experienced these areas that were being talked about in the church and he was able to speak to them firsthand. As a Pharisee, we're told that Paul was a student of Gamaliel. And we hear a little bit about Gamaliel. There's an interesting account in the book of Acts about Gamaliel and how the Peter and some of the other apostles were kind of making some waves. And Gamaliel basically says, hey, let's just, if this is from God, we don't want to stand in the way. If it's not, it's going to die out. So, so you get this interesting perspective from Gamaliel where he wasn't really opposed I don't want to say not opposed to Christianity, but he wasn't really scared of Christianity. But it is interesting that that Paul, who originally we would call him Saul, he had a different approach when it came to Christianity as a Pharisee, didn't he? What was his approach towards Christianity after the death and resurrection of Jesus? I think we would call Paul's approach militaristic uh, or polemic in, in, a, in a much deeper sense than just arguing words. But Paul took his opposition to Christianity to action, and he actually went out and persecuted Christians directly. Shortly after that section in the book of Acts about Gamaliel, we see the account of Stephen giving his witness and then being martyred, and Paul was there as Saul, but, but he was there as a witness to that. So Paul, we don't know, I guess, if he respected the advice of Gamaliel or not, but he certainly had a different approach, a more zealous approach, which again fit with what he talked about is his upbringing in the faith from a pharisaical perspective was very zealous, very eager, very action oriented. And, and Paul manifested that by being a strong persecutor of the church, uh, killing Christians, imprisoning Christians. He would go from town to town until the Lord chose to intervene in his life and convert him as he was on the way to one of those towns to persecute Christians. So Paul was much more action oriented with his opposition to Christianity and put, we might say, put his money where his mouth was in a way where he, he was not afraid to step up and uh, persecute the church. And that was obviously something Paul would have to live with the rest of his life. And he talked about that uh, very personally in, in some of his letters where he recognized the impact and, and how he wasn't able to take those things back. But that's even more reason why he found assurance of hope and forgiveness in Christ and not in himself. 
that's one of the most amazing things I think of. And we've seen this time and time again, how the Lord has used the individual gifts or abilities of these different men, regardless of who they are or where they came from in the service of his kingdom. And, and certainly Paul has some very unique gifts and abilities. Before we get into that, let's talk just a little bit, and this might be very familiar to, to our listeners, but let's talk just a, a little bit about what happened. What made that transition between this guy who was zealous to put away Christians because he didn't feel like Christianity was truth that was undermining what he believed was was God's will and how he then became the one who was encouraging people to become Christians. We, we sometimes call that his conversion. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, the account is recorded in the book of Acts of Paul's conversion. Paul actually talks about it on a number of occasions, too. The, the actual narrative is recorded in Acts, but Paul will come back to it again and again when witnessing to other people. So there's a few records in Acts about it. But Paul was on his way to the city of Damascus to continue his persecution, basically rounding up Christians. He had the Jewish consent and authority to do that. And he was confronted by a vision of Christ on the road and was, you know, directed by Christ there in to repent and, and, and uh, the, the, to basically the message from Christ directly that he was not serving God as he thought he was. And, uh, you know, Christ even said directly, or why are you persecuting me? And so, you know, we have to remember from the perspective of the Pharisees, they thought they were serving God. They thought they were following the word. They thought they were the ones with the true religion from the Old Testament, but that had become corrupted because it was without Christ. And so Paul wasn't trying to oppose God, we would say, by doing these things as a Pharisee. He thought he was serving God, but he was misled and he was misguided. And Christ's vision was fundamental in his conversion there to see you're not actually serving God. Here's a, here's a direct testimony to that effect. And, and then Paul, um, you know, was blinded by the vision, uh, was taken to uh, the city and uh, put under the care of a, of a Christian named Ananias and, and kind of brought Paul back to health and then uh, helped him integrate into the church at that time with Peter and some of the other apostles that were predominant at that time. So I think Paul's experience in, in his conversion is certainly recorded, but I think Paul summarizes it well in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, when he says in chapter 15, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. So I think that was a perfect summary of, of how God converted Paul um, was by his grace, just as it is for all of us. Now, Paul's, the, the, the story of Paul's conversion is a lot more dramatic than ours, perhaps, because we don't have the history and it, it wasn't done in such a visual way. But really, it's the same thing that every person goes through when they come to faith in Christ. It's by the grace of God that we are what we are and his grace toward us is not in vain. And it doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what our sins are. Christ overcomes all of that. And, and I think that's a perfect summary of what Paul experienced and really understood for the first time in his life that this is what it means to be a true follower of God is that you are changed by the grace of God, 
not by your own efforts and your own works. And you can sense in Paul's life then and in his subsequent work in the church, what a great burden was lifted off of his shoulders when he realized that because God intervened in his life in that way. So um, I think you see indications of that throughout Paul's letters where the great appreciation and gratitude for what God had done for him. And it really comes out in his words, why, which is why a lot of Paul's writings are so endearing to the church today. One of the things that always struck me about the conversion experience that Paul had, you mentioned Ananias and how the Lord used Ananias. I think that whole dialogue is interesting too, because the Lord comes to Ananias and say, Hey, I want you to go visit this guy. And Ananias says, I've heard about this guy, Lord, and, and I, I don't want to go see him. He's persecuting your church. But what does the Lord tell Ananias before he goes? He says, go, for Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord I loved what you you commented there about how the Lord can use anybody and and he desires to use us all, but it doesn't matter what our background is. And while Paul might might have carried that burden of all of the things that he had done to these to these Christians, the Lord said, Paul, I've forgiven you, but I want to use you in my kingdom to go to the Gentiles, to these kings, to the children of Israel, and yet you are going to suffer for my name's sake. And, and that was fulfilled absolutely in the ministry of, of the apostle Paul, but that zeal that was misplaced to persecute Jesus and his followers, that zeal became a motivation for Paul as he then carried out the ministry that the Lord had given to him. You mentioned that Paul wrote almost half of the books of the new Testament. You think about the apostle Peter, we think about Peter's the main guy that we think about in the, in the gospels. He wrote two letters. You think about the apostle John, another big name of the, the, the big 12. And John wrote one gospel, three epistles, and then the book of Revelation. He wrote five books. But Paul, the one who said, I'm the least of the apostles, like you quoted from 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote dozens of, of letters to the New Testament. And we have some of them that are inspired. Obviously, he wrote more than just what is inspired and recorded in the New Testament as well. But, and you're right, they are beloved letters too. But there was something maybe unlikely about the Apostle Paul and this work that he carried out. He went on three missionary journeys. He wrote all of these letters of the New Testament. Why might we say that, that Paul was an unlikely Leader, It seems like from his education and everything that you've told us that he's a perfectly likely person to do this very thing. What was unlikely about what Paul did and why he did it? Yeah, you'd think, you'd think that all the congregations Paul started on those missionary journeys, he was considered the apostle to the Gentiles, which is why he was traveling much more than Peter was, uh, who was more, more sent to the Jewish people. All the letters he wrote that are preserved for us today, you'd think that Paul is the, the stunning image of the true missionary who has all the skills and all the gifts and all the abilities. But Paul himself is honest in a number of his letters about how his writing wasn't great, his speech wasn't great, his outward appearance wasn't fantastic, that people didn't follow him because he was some great leader. Uh, he talks about in 1 Corinthians how um, his speech and his wisdom were not with persuasive words, 
but he preached Christ crucified. He focused on the message. So it wasn't because he was a great orator that people followed him or that he started congregations. Uh, in Second Corinthians, he tells um, some of the he, t- he, he writes about some of the characteristics that are out there that people talk about with him. He says, they say his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. I mean, this isn't just neutral here that Paul is, ah, he's just, he's just kind of an okay guy. His speech is contemptible. They say his, his letters are uh, weighty and powerful and difficult to understand. His bodily presence is weak. So uh, in, later on in Second Corinthians, Paul would talk about this thorn in the flesh that he had some type of physical ailment. We don't know what, but there was some type of fig- physical hindrance that Paul had that the Lord allowed him to endure. Uh, and Paul says it was for the reason that to give a greater testimony to the Lord's power at work in him. So I think we have to be careful about perception because we do the same thing today in the church where we think, well, how can I serve God if I'm not a great academic or I'm not a great writer or I can't speak in front of people I'm not a leader of people uh, it's not any of those things that makes a difference that Paul that Paul says he didn't even have those characteristics other people said he didn't even have them and yet look at what the Lord did through him now Paul was certainly educated uh, Paul certainly was trained in a lot of ways to and prepared for the tasks that the Lord had given him but by no means was he this stunning example of, of a true missionary. And, and so much today is made of the visual element of a person, uh, the skills that they have, the abilities that they have, the outward appearance, how they dress, how they look, how they conduct themselves. So much is made of those areas when really it's all quite secondary to how a person uses the word. And that's really what Paul's focus was, is delivering the pe- to the people the clear and simple word of God, and especially the gospel in Christ and letting that do the work. And anyone can do that. Uh, You don't have to be trained and educated. You don't have to be a great speaker. Uh, Paul certainly had his own limitations in those areas. And so it's, he's a very unlikely leader in that sense, because he breaks the stereotypes that we typically think of in the world today. And, and it's, I think it's assumed that Paul was some great, strong leader when there are several parts of the Bible that indicate the opposite. Well, I think you really covered well. The, one of the things that stands out about the Apostle Paul is that the Lord can use any one of us. And you're right, we don't have to fall into some kind of a stereotype. All we need to, knew, to do is know the word. And Paul was driven by, by his, uh, the Savior's love for him to learn the scriptures and to share that scripture with the world around him. And he, he accomplished a great deal in doing that. I mentioned earlier the words of the Lord to Ananias and how Paul would suffer many things for the, the, the Lord's name. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that Paul went through? So he persecuted the church, but ended up being persecuted himself. And he talks often about the things that he went through, finally even culminating in, in his own death. Uh, but you want to just briefly co- cover some of the things that Paul endured. And you talked about him being a Roman citizen. That actually was a benefit for him along the way, but it didn't stop him from getting uh, beaten and imprisoned and things like that along the way either at times. He, it's not like he used that against people, uh, but, but talk a little bit about the suffering that Paul endured uh, during his, his, the second part of his life. Well, one of the great, one of the, the concise summaries of that is in Second Corinthians chapter 11, 
Paul writes there from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and the day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the cities, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. I mean, you take, yeah, you take, <laughs> you take any one of those, like just the shipwreck, for example. I mean, how many of us have been in one shipwreck, let alone three, you know, and to be beaten, to be, to be uh, any, anybody he came across, people that he thought were his friends would betray him. People he knew his, were his enemies were certainly perse- persecuting him. So we talked about how Paul, that was Paul's way of life beforehand. He was the type of person who was doing these things as he took up the, the mantle of the faith and, and took up the message of the cross, he certainly experienced his fair share of these things. And it's not as if we shouldn't get in our minds that God was paying Paul back for what he had done in his previous life. That's not at all what it was, but it's the, it's what every Christian is going to endure to some extent for bearing the word of God. Different times and, and ages bring along different challenges there's challenges that we face today in the church that Paul didn't, but there are certainly many things that we can be thankful that we don't have to go through that Paul had to endure. Now, if you go over to the book of Acts, then you'll see a longer record of how Paul's missionary journeys unfolded. And that certainly included multiple persecutions at different times, but especially near the end, as the book of Acts kind of finishes with Paul making this journey toward Rome because he's been arrested and he's appealing before Caesar, his right and his cause as a Roman citizen, so that he's not unduly punished by the Jewish opponents who are seeking to persecute him. So that's kind of where the book of Acts uh, ends in that sense is that Paul is on his way there. And we know through the other letters of Paul that he was imprisoned in Rome. Um, There was a house imprisonment for a while, but then that persecution grew a bit more intense until it led up to the point of Paul's eventual martyrdom in Rome for the faith. When we get to the end of these studies, we often talk a little bit about some of the traditions, or in some cases, legends about these individuals. The, the New Testament does not record the death of the Apostle Paul, but tradition holds that he was beheaded and uh, probably about 66 AD. Um, what are some of the, maybe just pick out one of the unique legends about the Apostle Paul that you found to be interesting? Well, probably the most famous one and it's it's so famous today as far as legend that it's almost it is just accepted as fact in the church pretty much again it's not scripture it's not based on scripture paul does talk in second timothy about how his life is going to be poured out as an offering to the lord so indicating there that he knows his martyrdom is coming so there's pretty strong evidence from the bible that paul was martyred but we don't know exactly when or in what way but the legend about paul paul's martyrdom was that it happened under the hands of emperor nero and that his that he was beheaded uh and so the the symbol of paul in the church is is the sword not just because of that martyrdom but because of the how he called the word of god the sword of the spirit Uh, but 
there's a church that's actually outside of Rome that's supposed to, the, the supposed place of his execution. And at that church, there are three fountains on the ground uh, commemorating the spot where apparently his head hit the ground as it was beheaded. Uh, so that is perhaps the, the most famous and uh, longstanding tradition of the Apostle Paul that's in the church. Again, it's, it's so common that Paul was martyred in this way that's almost accepted as fact even though I'm, I'm not aware of any writing in particular that would verify the account for sure. But there is good evidence from the Bible that Paul uh, knew that Rome was where his life would end and that he would be martyred there. And, and we, I think we have good reason to believe that that's the way his life ended. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn from the life of the Apostle Paul. You've mentioned a couple of them over the course of our, our discussion. The fact that no one is too far gone that God cannot redeem them and bring them back and use them in the service of his kingdom. I think that's one of the, the beautiful things. But I think part of it is, too, that zeal that we see in the Apostle Paul, uh, motivated by the gospel, how a zeal that was used for evil, for wrong, when it is straightened out and when, when he knows who Jesus is, is used for good. What are some of your thoughts about, you know, what is, what is the legacy that Paul has that he leaves to us today? What can we learn from the life of the Apostle Paul that you would pass on to others? Well, I think you stated the most obvious one that immediately comes to mind is that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. The Lord can use you. The Lord can bring your life back. And there's no greater example of, a, of a, an opponent that was brought around than the Apostle Paul. But a couple other ones I think that are important that maybe are easily overlooked in Paul's life are, first of all, the importance of building on the word. Uh, Paul did not build a ministry based on his ability to, um, you know, schmooze people, for lack of a better phrase. You know, so many modern preachers today are popular and have great followings and their churches are overflowing because they're basically salesmen and they can, they can, they can conjure up feelings in a person's heart. And they can motivate people and people want to follow them. That's not at all the portrait that we get of the Apostle Paul. He built the church on the word and everything that you see coming out of his writings focuses on the word. And it's why many in the New Testament church today emphasize to such a great extent the letters of Paul. And then I think the second one that comes out for me with Paul is that you never know what the Lord is going to use in your past life to be a blessing for his kingdom today. I think if Paul could go back and, and know early on in his life that he was eventually going to be a follower of Christ, he probably wouldn't have done a lot of the things that he did or gone down a lot of the avenues of life that he did, maybe trained as a Pharisee. He probably wouldn't have done that. But without that prior life, Paul would not have been the minister that he was when the Lord used him. So even when things go wrong, even when things are bad, even when things don't seem to really have a point for the kingdom of God, the Lord can use those areas to equip us to be good witnesses and ministers of his word. So for, for anyone listening, you just never know. Uh, you might think, oh, what a waste I've made of my life. I haven't really served God. I haven't really done this or that. I, I haven't been the kind of Christian that I've wanted to be. Obviously, it's always good to commit to Christ and prioritize that, but you never know what God can use in the past. There really is no wasted 
time with God. He's able to use whatever we go through, uh, whatever uh, path we take in life and turn that into something that can be utilized for his kingdom. And I think that really is a great example that we see through the apostle Paul. He probably looked back and thought so much of my life was wasted, but with, without that previous experience, he wouldn't have been the same person that he was to trust and rely so completely on Christ and to have that come out in the way that he ministered and led the church. We didn't spend any time really talking about some of the familiar or beloved passages that Paul penned in his 13 epistles. But, you know, one of the ones that comes to mind as you're talking here is uh, the verse from Colossians where he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you think about the weakness of Paul, and yet he realized it was the Lord who gave him the strength to do those things, even through the suffering. Or Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Two very important lessons that Paul learned because of the experiences that he had. And those became even more precious then as the Lord brought him to, to a realization of how that was not only true for him, but also true for the people that he was given the privilege of serving. Uh, so uh, many other Bible passages that would be very familiar ones and beloved ones of the Apostle Paul too, but two that kind of came to mind as you were summarizing the life of Paul and the lessons that we can learn from him. Thank you again, Mark, for taking us through these lives of the apostles. Each one of these have given us lessons that we can learn from and apply to our own lives and realize that we aren't that unlike them. The Lord uses each one of us in the gifts that he has individually given to us to serve in various ways in his kingdom. And it's our prayer that as we have gone through these studies of the apostles, that you have benefited not only from the, the history, the background of these individuals, but also the doctrinal important of, of what and how the Lord used each one of them in the service of his kingdom, both now and in, in, in and for eternity. Lord, richly bless you this week. We'll look forward to talking to you again next time. We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.